Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. There is a season for everything and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to reap that which was planted. Ecclesiastes 3.1 The harvest is coming and church, it is time to get ready. The Bible begins, in the beginning, God created. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be heavens, and there were heavens. God said, let there be land, and let there be sea, and so it came to be. Everything that exists from the vastness of the cosmos that stretches beyond our ability to fathom to the most microscopic aspect of the Adam exists because God spoke it into being. God created everything out of nothing and he didn't even have to lift a finger to do it. That is the awesome power of God. And the God who created all of this is a God of relationships who wants to know you and to be known by you. you understand how incredible that is? The architect behind everything, the all-powerful God, the all-knowing God who can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, because he has all the power. He wants to be known by you. And so he makes himself available. He makes himself accessible to his children. And what do we do with it? We ask him for raises, safe travels, and good health for our friends and family. We barter with him. Like he's a used car salesman. God, if you give me this, I'll go to church more. If you do this for me, I'll read my Bible more. God, if you take care of this problem that I created, I'll, I'll pray more. We were created to be all about God. And in our corruption, we try to make God all about us. Jeremiah 31 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You want to know what really is the value? What really rests in our hearts? What we really desire and pursue? Look at what we pray for. How much of our time spent in the presence of the creator of the universe do we spend focusing on him? And how much of our time in prayer do we spend focusing on trying to get things from Him? See, sometimes we come to Jesus, we call ourselves by His name, but the focus of our lives is still very much on ourselves. Jesus didn't call us to live for ourselves. He called us to die to ourselves that we might live for Him. 
or what we value, what truly rests in our hearts, it has a way of making itself known through our prayers. So when we pray, are we praying that his kingdom would be advanced or are we praying that our comfort would be enhanced? When was the last time you prayed for something so big that it would require God to use his awesome power? When was the last time we stepped out in faith and did something so big that if God didn't bless it, if God didn't come alongside it, if God didn't work his power through it, it had no hope of success? Or the question that haunts me, if God answered all our prayers with yes, how would his kingdom be furthered? You can tell a lot about what's in our hearts by looking at what we pray for. The church, you didn't end up here, at this place, at this point in your life by accident. Because the God who created all things has a design for you. And the harvest is coming. And church, it is time to get ready. In July, U.S. News and World Report released a report that noted that Myrtle Beach is the fastest growing city in America. Every day, more and more people call our community their home. And we're sitting here with 25 acres of land in the middle of one of the most desirable areas in the fastest growing city in the country. Do you think that happened by accident? You think that we, 20 years ago, were like, wow, we're just really smart. We're predicting the future. We're going to look into this and go, let's get that land because one day that's going to be a pivotal place where we can do great things for the kingdom. No, we're not that smart. I wish we were. The fields are being planted all around us. Every day, new opportunities spring up to share the gospel to show the gospel, to connect people to Jesus. Church, the harvest is coming, and it's time to get ready. If you've got a Bible or a Bible app, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4, and we're going to hang out in verses 32 through 35. Since we finish up our series coming soon, getting ourselves ready to start preparing ourselves, for the direction that we believe that God is leading us in, in preparing ourselves for the growth that is all around us, that is happening so that we can be prepared to be faithful stewards of what God has entrusted us with. Before we become the church of tomorrow, I want to look at the church of yesterday. See, Acts 4 is a picture of the early church when it was pure, when it was perfect, when it was exactly as Jesus created it to be. And in seeing this portrait of the church, before we got our hands on it, before our corruption, before our sinfulness, before our ego and our petty squabbling, quabblings and, and fights and bickering, before all of the things that is us got into the church and corrupted what it was meant to be, Acts 4 is a portrait of what we were intended to be. Verse 32. 
Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Let's stop there. Jesus had at least 500 faithful disciples. At Pentecost, when Peter and the other apostles preached the first Christian sermon, 3,000 people came to believe. Acts 2.42 tells us that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So by this point, this is a community that would well have exceeded 4,000 people. People who lived in different places, worked different jobs, spoke different languages, had different life experiences, and yet somehow, after encountering the gospel of Jesus, these very different people managed to become one in heart and soul. See, being one in heart and soul, it doesn't mean that we all like the same food, We watch the same movies. We raise our kids the same way. It doesn't mean that we agree about everything, think the same about everything. We're all basically just the same exact person living in a different show. It means that we have the same mission, the same purpose, the same focus. Being one in heart and soul means that the people of God were focused on the mission of God. It means that they were focused on Jesus, that they were pursuing Jesus, that they were seeking Jesus in all things. Because when we as individuals mold ourselves and conform ourselves to Jesus, then we automatically become united with one another. There's no division in Jesus. There's no disunity in Jesus. Division and disunity exist because we take our eyes off of Jesus. Because we focus on other things. The church has done this for a long time. We get distracted by issues in our culture, distracted by traditions, distracted by politics, distracted by things going on around us, distracted by petty, insignificant things that we want to bicker and argue about in the name of being the most right. We do not have time for that anymore. We cannot afford to get distracted by the insignificant things of this life any longer because the harvest is coming. And church, it is time to get ready. Verse 32. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. We are taught trained, conditioned to think about ourselves, to focus on ourselves, to make everything about ourselves. But when we give our lives to Jesus, when we focus our hearts on Jesus, we stop thinking about ourselves. We stop worrying about ourselves. We stop living for ourselves. And the more we focus on Jesus, the more he changes our perspective on everything, including our stuff. So the world says, what you have, that's your treasure. You need to guard it. You need to protect it because you worked for it. You earned it. That's yours. Keep it. Lock it up. Make sure you enjoy it. Get more of it. Jesus says, I'm your treasure. And when Jesus is our treasure, then all the things in this world become nothing more than tools that we can use to serve him. So when we look at life through worldly eyes, We see obstacles and obligations. But when we learn to look through the lens of Jesus, we see that all these things are opportunities. What happened in the early church is they were so amazed by the grace of God, so overwhelmed by the riches of his blessing 
But they didn't care about their stuff. It didn't matter to them. See, God had blessed them with so much that all they wanted to do was to be a blessing to others. And so what we see in the early church is a church that was focused on Jesus. A church that was devoted to Jesus. A church that was unified with Jesus. A church that served one another. That sacrificed for one another. That took care of one another. And as a result, we see verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. The word for power here, dunamis, is where we get our word for dynamite. Because of how the church responded to the gospel, because of how they took care of each other and treated each other and focused on Jesus, the gospel was presented with explosive power and great, or literally mega grace was upon them all. Verse 34. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Sometimes God blesses us with more than we need, not so that we can hoard it, not so that we can build monuments and shrines to our own comfort and kingdom, but so that we can be a blessing to others. Sometimes God pours out the riches of his blessing upon us so that we can know the joy of being a blessing to others. Because when we fix our hearts, on Jesus, it changes the way we look at our stuff. We don't see the things that we have. We don't focus on the things we have. We focus on what we can do with those things to serve and glorify Jesus. In the early church, the gospel moved with explosive power and mega grace was upon them all because the people of God pursued the mission of God for the glory of God. And because they were faithful to the call of God in their lives, they got to reap a great harvest. The gospel spread. Lives were transformed. The community and the world was changed forever. The harvest is coming. And church, it is time to get ready. We look at the church in Acts 4, and we look at the church today and go, what happened? How did we get so far from that? How amazing would it be to be a part of a community where there were no needy persons? Because the people of God took care of the community of God. Where did we go wrong? The question I want to ask is, what if we could get back to that? What if we could become a community like that again? What if our hearts could beat as one? What if we could be a place of joy 
and of peace, of comfort and encouragement? Well, what if we could be a place of, of love and grace that supported one another and challenged one another and grew one another? What if we could be a place where people came to find freedom? What if we could be a place where people came to find hope? What if we could be a place where people came to find a home? And what if we could be a place where people came and they found life? What if we said no to pride, to ego, to pettiness, to divisions and disunity? What if we said no to insignificant squabbling over issues that really, really don't matter? What if we said no to our preferences, no to our priorities, no to ourselves for the glory of God and the good of others? What if we were a place where the gospel was moved with explosive power and mega grace was upon us all? What if we could be a place where there were no needy persons among us and the community around us could see how we took care of one another, how we loved one another? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the power of the church when the people of God take hold of the mission of God for the glory of God? Church, the harvest is coming. And it is time to get ready. Rick began the series by giving us kind of a bird's eye view of the vision that we have, of the direction we believe God is leading us and preparing us for all the changes that are happening in our community. So last week, Pastor Mark got to unpack a little bit more of what that looks like, and this week it's my turn. It's my turn to talk about the 25 acres that we have in the middle of the fastest growing city in the country. My turn to talk about how we can use 25 acres to connect with people, to serve people, to minister to people, and share the gospel with people. My turn to talk about how we can use 25 acres to glorify God and to build His kingdom. Because the harvest is coming. And church, it is time for us to get ready. Because the farmer, he doesn't walk outside and just reap a harvest. He plants the seed. He tends to the soil. He does the work. There is preparation. There is effort. There is labor. There is a required readiness that must be done or there is no harvest to bring in. And so before the farmer can reap the harvest, the farmer has to get ready for the harvest and search. The harvest is coming, so it's time for us to get ready. And we need to prepare our hearts for the service of the kingdom of God and the opportunities that are going to surround us. We don't just need to prepare our hearts. We also need to prepare our property. One of the things that we want to do as we get into our chapter two, is we start pursuing the next phase of what we believe God is leading us to do so that we can faithfully serve the community that he has placed us in. We want to get out of debt. More debt, less debt equals more ministry. Because right? the less money we had to put into interest, the more money we have to invest in caring for and ministering to our community. We want to renovate this space. You look down, it looks kind of like a gym floor. It is a gym floor. This room has always been multi-purpose. We want to create a space that is focused exclusively on the worship of Jesus, where his word and his worship can be done without distraction, 
in a space that is all about him and all for him. We want to build and expand our property so that we can better serve our community. Last week, Pastor Mark talked about the Freedom Center, a place where people can come and get counseling, get relationship support, experience freedom from addiction, a freedom from the things that bond them and bind them. Well, with the Freedom Center, we want to build an outreach center. Whereas the Freedom Center would focus on the emotional, spiritual components. The Outreach Center would focus on the physical, practical needs. The Outreach Center is Acts 4. From time to time, those who had houses and lands sold it and brought the money to the apostles' feet, and they distributed to anyone as he had need. That's the Outreach Center. We want to build a space that can provide, that can care, and provide practical support for our community because there are always, church, there are always going to be needs. There are always going to be things that happen in people's lives, things that happen in the community of believers when they fall on hard times, whether it's the loss of a job or an illness in the family. There's always going to be needs. And the means that God created to take care of the needs of his people was the community of his people. We want to create a place where there can be no needy persons among us because the people of God take care of the community of God for the glory of God. <laughs> Perhaps the one that I'm the most excited about is our family center. I'm excited about because I have a, a two-year-old son, Rowan. You probably see him run around here sometimes. <laughs> he loves being here. He's two. He's growing. Last, this last week, he told my wife that he's three enough. He's trying to make an argument for getting an early birthday cupcake. He loves being here. Loves being in the presence of God, in the people of God, in the community of God. He loves it. Just this building was built like 20 years ago. It was a different time. It was a different world. We want to build a space for kids. A space to serve our families. A place that is safe and secure and fun and exciting where children can grow up, where they can run and play, where they can experience the gospel, hear the gospel, learn the gospel in an environment that is stimulating for them, that is designed for them, where they can have fun and laugh at a place where they want to be. We want to come alongside families and provide support and provide help to present the gospel. We want to minister to families. And I love that the focus, one of the main focuses of our church is on supporting families. Because family is the language of Scripture. And so we want to help equip parents to raise their children in godly homes. We want to help provide places where kids can come, where kids want to be, and they can hear the gospel presented in an age-appropriate manner so that they can start to learn it, start to process it, start to cling to it so that they might walk their whole lives with Jesus and not have to go down some of the roads that we did. We don't just want to pre preach the gospel on Sunday morning. We want to minister to people of every age, of every walk of life, from every experience. We want to see entire families, entire community transformed by the work and the move of the gospel in and around us. The Jews believed that life and power were in the blood. blood is pumped through the heart, and we are located in the heart of our community, and that's what we want to be. We want to be the thing, the place that pumps life into the community around us.
Because that's what the gospel is. It's life. Jesus is life. And we get to be the place that pumps it. Not just to be physically located in the heart, but to actually be the heart pumping life into all the community around us. Church, the harvest is coming. And it is time to get ready. Because here's the crazy thing. As we are getting ready to prepare for the work that we believe God is going to do in our community, God is already starting to do it. Okay? The harvest isn't just coming. It's already here. Because God has already been moving. You may have noticed when you drove in that our parking lot just got resurfaced. You may also have noticed if you look over here, a whole bunch of trees just got cleared out. We had about three acres of property that was still had trees on it, so we just got that cut down, and we're getting it cleared out in preparation for what we believe God is doing here. Over the last, like, two years, despite everything that's going on, we've seen new people coming to church, new people getting into groups, new people leading, new people serving, new people giving, and new people wanting to join our church family. This last year, we've had 24 people surrender their lives to Jesus and make a public declaration of faith that they belong to him through baptism. God is already moving. He's already at work here. And we need to get ourselves ready so that we can seize the opportunity that God is placing before us. We've been renovating our student center recently. And inspired by our partnership with the church in Costa Rica, we just launched the Pura Vida Cafe. I want to invite you to check it out. After service, you got kids, go grab your kids. Student building's right back here. You walk outside, you can't miss it. It's the giant building in the back of the property. We invite you to go see what God has already started to do here. And when going in there, you have the opportunity to hear what we want to do with that space and the vision that we have for it. And you get a free cup of coffee. And all God's people said, amen. Church, too often we settle for what is instead of striving for what could be. What if we, as the people of God, dared to dream big, God-sized dreams? What if we, as the people of God, dared to step out in faith and do something for the kingdom of God that without God would have no hope of success? What if we, as the people of God, stopped praying for our comfort and we started praying for his kingdom? That it would advance, that it would grow, that he would use us in whatever means he saw fit to spread his gospel around the world. What if we dared to be more than just sojourners through a short life of ash and dust? The harvest is coming. And church, it is time to get ready. Because God invites us to be kingdom builders. But do not be deceived. God will build his kingdom with or without us. He does not need you. But God, in his grace, offers us the opportunity to participate. 
He offers the opportunity to us to join with him in what he is doing because do not make this mistake. It is God who builds his kingdom. It is God who does the work, but he in his grace allows us to join with him, to partner with him, and to experience the joy of what he is doing in and around us. We have the opportunity. I can't imagine a better setup. 25 acres of land in the fastest growing community in America. We have the opportunity to do great things for the kingdom of God if we're willing to step out in faith and to be used, if we're willing to find our place, to find our role, to pray and to seek God that he would expand his kingdom and do his work, not for our glory, but for his glory and for the good of others. The harvest is coming. And church, it is time to get ready. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. This is the commission of our King, not to do it for him as if he needs us, but to do it with him because he is gracious. He has planted the seeds. He has prepared the soil. He is bringing growth all around us. Are we going to be ready to bring in the harvest of God's labor? Or will we sit back and watch as that fruit goes to someone else, goes somewhere else? We have the opportunity to demonstrate to the community around us the glory of God through the love, through the grace of the gospel. And it's time that we got ready to share it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your patience with us, for the life that you give us, for the work that you do in us. And God, I pray that you would stir in us a passion to see and to be a part of what you're doing. That you would use this time to prepare our hearts for the change that is coming. That you would use this time to teach us how to be truly focused on you how to let go of ourselves, to let go of our stuff that we might live, that we might pursue, that we might focus all that we have and all that we are on you. Let us be harvesters in your fields. Let us be builders in your kingdom who delight in doing your work And to whom you say, well done, my good and faithful servants. Let us be faithful to the opportunities you have placed and are continuing to place in front of us. That we might not only grow in you, that we might help lead others to know you and to grow in you as well. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for grace.